From the studios of Teeing It Up in the swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up presents, uh, uh, well, it's Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling presents. I absolutely botched that intro, but who cares? You know, daylight savings time ends and our brains are all over the place. Um, <clears throat> uh, Danny Fleck is with us in, in his weekly spot. Good morning, sir. How are you, my man? I am good. Um... There's uh, uh, some very interesting uh, things that I want to throw out at you <clears throat> um, in, in the National Football League. But before we get there, um, not having Trevor Lawrence next week against Notre Dame in primetime for Clemson, does this ultimately matter in the end come January when they're making the selections for the playoff? think it matters as long as the results are what Clemson needs. You know, a win is a win at the end of the day. You know, the, the college football playoff committee was already going to have a, a difficult way of evaluating teams this year, but I think the best way to, to keep that stable for any team is just to win. Um, you know, we, we've seen the teams that we've expected to be good win. Um, you know, Ohio State's come out, you know, 2-0. Alabama is running the table right now. Don't know if a team is, is going to be able to stop them. You know, the SEC West is pretty down this year. So, you know, they look to have, you know, as clear of a path to the SEC championship as they've had in the last couple of years. Um, you know, the SEC East, and you have teams like Florida and Georgia, but I think the only real contender there is Georgia. And they have a ceiling um, with, with their offense and their quarterback play. And then you have Notre Dame, who right now, you know, their biggest team of the year is going to be coming up on on Saturday. So, you know, there's a lot of teams out there right now that have underperformed, but I think that you are going to see that this year regardless, given the situation, the COVID, the time off, and the scheduling and everything else like that. So if you're Clemson and you keep winning and you run the table, um, or if you have a, a loss to say another Dame team that you meet again in the ACC championship game that you beat, it's hard to see Clemson, you know, falling out of the top four. Um, so as long as they keep winning, I think you just treat this Trevor Lawrence absence that you would, say, 2019 if he had a concussion or a sprained ankle, whatever it may have been, he missed some time. Um, you know, obviously, you look at the BC game and you, you wonder, you know, what is Clemson like without him? But, you know, at the end of the day, they won the game, they came back, they were a freshman quarterback that made their first, his first start, and they still played pretty well. Now, let's not forget that freshman quarterback was one of the top recruits coming out um, as well. So I think Clemson is going to be okay as long as they keep winning. Um, and don't forget, Florida is now going to be shorthanded after that fight and brawl, and there's going to be suspensions there. So one would think yep. that, that Florida stature is about to go down. Um, in, in, uh, last night. Say that again? That was an interesting situation last night. You know, last play of the first half, quarterback gets knocked down, they leave the field, and then the teams go after each other. It was, uh, it was a scary scene to say the least. You don't want to ever see those players get in that type of situation. But, um, you know, I, I can respect the, the reasoning behind it, but, you know, you have to be a little bit better uh, situated and disciplined in, the, in that type of uh, situation. You don't want to be able to, you don't want to get hurt. You, like you said, you don't want to have people spend it. It is a, you know, a shortened season too, so every game matters a little bit more. Speaking of things that happened right before the half, 
how does the game clock operator and the replay official completely mess up what happened for Ohio State and Penn State? That was bizarre. Yeah, and watching it live, I was like, he took the knee with one second left. Um, to be honest, right? I saw that, I was like, oh my God, he took the knee with one second left. What's going on here? Um, you know, it was a home, cook- home cooking uh, you know, situation there, I think, with the, the clock. If you were better, you, you got Penn State at plus 13, which I did. Um, you were able to push on the bet because you got that extra three points before the half. Um, so it, it was a weird situation. Uh, I, I've never seen anything like that, but watching it live, I was like, wait a second. I thought he took a knee with one second left, but, you know, I, I guess the, the play clock operator was a little bit slow with his finger there to, to start it. Yeah, something there got a little messed up, so... In any case, um, Ohio State and Justin Fields wins that game, and Ohio State moves on. If you're the Pac-12, are you playing for the Rose Bowl starting this late, or is there any chance you could end up in the playoff? I, I think their only shot is Oregon, and I still think you need a lot of things to, to roll your way. Um, I, I don't know how strong the Pac-12 is this year. I, I think you have them and USC as the top teams in the, in the Pac-12, and they're going to probably play each other and you know, they're going to eliminate one of them just by that. Um, Oregon does have a new quarterback this year, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do. You know, they've been very fortunate the last couple of years with Mariota and Herbert. Um, I, I don't know about the Pac-12, to be honest with you. I just don't know if, if one thing goes wrong for that that conference, like we see with Wisconsin, right, um, where they're going to lose out on games and you affect the schedule and you affect other teams on that schedule. I don't know if they have enough firepower to, to jump into the top four this year. I, I think you are playing for the Rose Bowl. Not to say it's a bad spot to be in. I just don't know if the Pac-12 has enough. You have enough things going right for them to jump into there. All right, moving to the pros. Um, the line for the Jets has fluctuated between 19 and a half and 20. According to Rich Samini, the ESPN Jets beat writer, with help from ESPN Stats and Info, the Jets um, have been 19-point dogs four times in the Super Bowl era, twice 19-point underdogs, twice 21, including last year against the Pats. They covered in each of those games. And the last team to lose when favored by at least 19 was Cincinnati in 74 Teams favored by 19-plus have won 37 straight and are 85-3 outright in the Super Bowl era. Is there any way the Jets are contenders and or cover in this game today against the Chiefs? I mean, there's always a chance, right? Those large spreads are are prime for backdoor covers or players being taken out to not um, get them hurt. So you could see Mahomes maybe only play three quarters if they're up like 20 points or so. The problem is, is like I don't know if the Jets have the firepower to to come back or score consistently to keep that spread within reach. You know, once, if they go down twenty three nothing or you know twenty seven three, you know the, the spread is you know still intact for them to come in and cover. I just don't know after watching them last week and probably their best opportunity to win a game this year. Um, you know, they, they put up ten points and then stop. Um, and I guess a team like Kansas City where they can continuously score at will or, you know, they're very opportunistic on defense and have a great special team. You know, that, that 20 points 
almost seems like it's going to be 30 or 40 points. You know, I just don't think the Jets have enough to, to consistently get drive going and put up that 10 to 17 points that you need in order to cover a spread that large. You know, because even if they put up 17 points, you know, you're looking, you're hoping that your defense keeps them, you know, under 35. And I just don't know if the Jets have uh, the offense to score the 17 points. Especially without Crowder and 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 without uh, Perriman, um, you are down a bunch of weapons for Sam Darnold. So I am with you there that um, I don't see a way the Jets cover, even if Mahomes only plays three quarters. Um, in a game that, that will probably need their uh, every single person until the last whistle is Pittsburgh-Baltimore. This game is going to be played in some really poor conditions uh, weather-wise. In Baltimore, there's a rain chance. The over-under is 46. The line is 4. Does the fact that this weather forecast appears to be holding up and, 50, and, and 56 and rain does seem to be an accurate forecast change? Any thoughts you have on this game? No, because I think, if anything, the elements play to the strength of both teams. You know, the, the Pittsburgh defense and the Ravens offense. You know, the Ravens want to control the ball, run the ball, use play action, and the Steelers defense is front seven, it's loaded, and wants to get after the quarterback, and it's good at stopping the run. So I think that those conditions play into what the both teams do well. Now, on the other end, you want to make sure, you know, obviously with that type of weather that they're, you know, you're, you're clean, you don't turn the ball over, that you're playing situational football correctly, or your special teams on point. Um, I'm on the Steelers in this game just because I think that the Ravens are best when they're winning, um, and I just don't know if they're going to be able to run away from the Steelers, and if anything, the Steelers have proven this year that even, even with their schedule and everything else like that, you know, they have... Um, a formula in place that they're going to follow this year. They have dynamic wide receivers. James Conner looks healthy this year as well. They're able to supplement that with the running game. And as long as Big Ben doesn't make mistakes like he did last week to make it a game, because the Steelers should have destroyed the Titans last week. Um, and, you know, he threw three interceptions and allowed the Titans to stay in that game. As long as Pittsburgh plays a clean game, I think this game is going to be really, really close. They always are. Uh, the margin of victory, I think, is the average of uh, three points for, for either side when they do play in these games. Um, and, and, you know, the rain does, does affect it a little bit, but I still think that this game is going to be as close as it can be, and I do like the Steelers to cover that, that four point. It's time for uh, a recurring segment, which is if these Bears uh, are for real. Um, they face the Saints today. They're five and two. The Saints are four and two. The the over under is forty two and a half. The line is four. Another four point line um, for an away team today. And the question, Danny Fleck, that here on Teeing It Up presents is: Is this Bear team for real? They keep getting W's, and they keep making me ask the question. I'll be honest with you. I, I've watched them a couple of times this year. Each time I've come away, less impressed with them. Yes, their defense is good, but not as good as it's been in the past. Um, Khalil Mack is a little banged up. I, I, their offensive line is an absolute mess. Um, they have a very little running game, very little imagination on offense. Um, Nick Foles and, and Nagy don't seem to be on the same page. You know, we saw some reports after Monday 
night that, you know, the plays that were being called, Nick Foles, and even Mr. Trubisky were like, they're not going to work. Um, I just don't know if the Bears have an explosive enough offense um, to even stay within, you know, some of these, stay within some of these games. The, the benefits they have is, like you mentioned, the, the weather and the, the elements. If the elements provide them that opportunity to make the game ugly, then, then yes, they can stay in that game because of that defense. Um, but overall, I just am not impressed with the Bears. Yes, they have five wins. You don't apologize for having five wins. You know, getting a, a win in the NFL is really, really difficult. But I just don't see how the Bears long-term can play, you know, with the bigger, more explosive offensive teams in the league if they can't, you know, sustain drives or in the red zone or push the ball downfield. You know, last week they were consistently behind the eight ball because of their field position. And a lot of it has to do with your offense. You have to be able to sustain drives. So I, I expect the Saints to win. You know, it's weird. The Bears typically win these types of games, um, you know, historically at Soldier Field. But I just am not comfortable backing an offense that, that has trouble scoring. And the Saints have a good defense, too. So I think it's going to be a closer game. Uh, but I do, I do like the Saints more than I like the Bears in this one. Um, I'm, as we move on to, you know, I, I tend to ask one random question here. Um, this Adam Schefter report really confuses me, which is that the Dolphins having all these draft picks, including the, the Houston picks that came in the Laramie Tunsil trade, are because they, they want to give, the reason why they're starting to is they want to look at him because of all the quarterbacks coming out in this draft, this makes no sense to me because why would you move on from Tua this quickly? It just does not make sense as to using a 10-game evaluation for a rookie to be able to establish yay or nay. It just does not make sense to me, Danny. Yeah, and I think a lot of the people in the GM and the front offices are starting to look at what the Cardinals did a couple years ago with Kyler Murray. You know, it's that if you have the opportunity to get the guy that you really, really want, you're going to take him. Now, in Miami's case, you know, I agree with you. You know, making the assessment on a, on a quarterback that had major hip surgery last year, he's looking in the top five, um, around the team that you're still building, um, you know, the Miami Dolphins are, are in no way a finished product. You know, making that assessment is going to be difficult. And I don't think you should move on from him after this year, you know. There's no, even if he doesn't have a great second half of the year, you know, we've seen this type of change before. And you can go back to the Giants back in 2004. They were in a similar situation. Um, they didn't have the, the types of picks that Miami had, but they had a they, uh, top QB uh, sitting behind a veteran. They were 5-3, and three, and they pulled the plug on, on Kurt Warner, and they, pl- they plugged Eli in. Um, and I think Miami's following in a similar situation. But I think, if anything, Miami's looking to say, hey, you know, we found our guy, we have all these picks, we're still building. If we get a top four pick and we know a team is desperate to come in here and grab a quarterback, we can get more picks and we can build a better team around Tua and really see what we have in him. Um, I think that's more the route that they're trying to go in. But, you know, who knows? I mean, God forbid something happens and you at least know that you have something to sit back on and say, you know, we can grab somebody if we need to. But I think it's more of them trying to evaluate to uh, see what they could potentially get for a top a top pick next year in the draft, and then and go from there. 
Yeah, who knows? Um, um, we will see how that one plays out. I'm, I'm not sure that's a good thing to be leaking to the media when you're prepping for your quarterback to make his first start. All right, gambling stuff. We got two huge lines this weekend. Tonight, Philly, 10.5-point favorites over Dallas. Tomorrow night, Dow, uh, the Giants, 12.5-point underdogs to the Bucks. Are either of these sucker bets, or, or, or are those lines about right? I think they're about right. I don't see how you can back Dallas, you know, with the, their third quarterback playing this year. It's undrafted James Madison against a Philly team that seems to be finding its stride. Um, I, I just don't see how Dallas is able to stay in that game. Again, if, if Dallas had a defense, I'd say, you know, that would be a, a little bit high. Um, but we know that they don't. And, you know, after the Bucks, the Bucks have been hot. They've been killing teams lately the last two games. They've won very, very easily. The Giants are, again, I, I can't back the Giants in this game. I don't see how they can move the ball against Tampa's defense. They've had trouble doing it against lots of defenses. So I think those lines and those picks, you know, if you want to take, you know, Tampa and Philly, they're not bad picks because I just don't see how those teams are able to consistently move the ball against those defenses. The other... Um game at 425 that I find interesting uh, is the other 425 game. There's only two of those. Um, and, and that's San Francisco-Seattle. San Francisco has hit their stride in recent weeks. It's almost like Jimmy G getting benched kind of woke them up. Four and three versus five and one. To me, this is a classic NFC West game that comes down to the last seconds and whoever makes a kick or something is going to win this game. From a gambling and a fantasy perspective, 53.5 is the over-under. It's one of the higher over-unders. Two-and-a-half point line for Seattle. Played under good weather at CenturyLink. Uh, what's your read of this uh, game? I feel the same way you do. You know, uh, Seattle's defense is bad. Um, there's no way to sugarcoat it. Um, the, uh, San Francisco is going to want to run the ball, use play action. They have George Kittle. That's all you really need, you know, if you're them, to build your, your offensive game plan. We saw what San Francisco's been able to do in the run game the last couple of weeks. So I, I like the way San Francisco is primed for this game. Their defense definitely is better than Seattle's, but still undermanned, I think, against the Seattle Seattle offense. So I do like, you know, what this game presents, you know, from a fantasy perspective. Um, I think you should fire up everybody you have on each side of the ball. The Seattle running back situation right now is one to monitor. You know, it's tough the 4 o'clock game to, to really set your lineup there between, you know, Carlos Hyde, DJ Dallas, and uh, Chris Carson. But I think overall, you know, I feel comfortable with any of those players playing today for either team. And from a gambling perspective, you know, in that type of game where it's a toss-up, I'm always going to try to favor the, the underdog. Um, you know, San Francisco... And Seattle play close all the time, um, and usually the dogs are in better situations in those games. Uh, it's a game I have not taken. I'm debating whether to take the 49ers or not, but if I did, I'd probably lean the 49ers. All right. Uh, what are, for the games that you have decided to bet on, uh, your likes this week and then fantasy likes as well? Yeah, so from a, a gambling perspective, uh, I've taken the Steelers. Um, I've done a teaser with Green Bay and uh, the Titans. I think that those games, you know, line up well for a teaser. Um, and again, I think the Saints are, are, are a good bet to take take this week as well. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, you know, 
it, the injury report this week was all over the place, you know, between, you know, Jamison Crowder, Allen Robinson, Michael Thomas, and everything else like that. Um, you know, you're really digging deep trying to find some players, and there's some really bad weather going around, too, this week. Um, and a lot of games, you know, you look at the Buffalo game, they're supposed to be like 40 to 50 mile an hour winds, apparently. Which yeah. Is absurd. Um, so, you know, from a fantasy perspective, if you have running back, this is the week to fire them up. I like, um, you know, Rob Gronkowski, too, on Monday night as a tight end play. He's been coming, coming you know, into his, his old form lately. So I definitely would look at him if you have the opportunity to play him. Um, and then I mentioned, you know, the Seattle situation. You know, I have DJ, DJ Dallas on my bench just trying to wait and see what the situation is going to play there because, you know, just from a volume perspective, he could be a good, a good play as well. Danny Flecka, as always, coming with the knowledge. Thank you, as always, for coming on Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. No problem, man. Have a great day. You got it. Same to you. And have a good football Sunday and Monday, everybody.